0: Alright, <clears throat> you ready? Ready. Okay. Three, two, one. Welcome to Aspra Candy where we talk about healing, self-love, ser- ser- uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs>
1: Just like candy
0: What's up everybody welcome to ask for candy where we talk about healing self-care love sex relationships and what it takes to be amazing on the daily who i am is candice harper and my purpose with this podcast is to create healthy romantic relationships all around the world through self love soul connections and sweetness but before we get to that don't forget to subscribe to our audio broadcast ask for candy on anchor itunes spotify and wherever you normally download podcasts also you can email us at ask for candy podcast at gmail .com to leave comments and ask questions. Those questions will be answered in a later broadcast. So for almost nine years, I've been a relationship coach, a workshop facilitator, and I'm also a professional matchmaker with Luma, a luxury matchmaking service that brings high-end singles together to find their perfect love. And this is how I live into my purpose, the purpose of loving myself unconditionally and inspiring others to do the same using their romantic lives as a portal, an inspiration, a catalyst to their highest possible self, if you will. Relationship coaching is my zone of genius, and the best part about it is that week to week, I get to grow and learn as I interact with hundreds of people around the most intimate parts of their lives. I get to take people on their journey from caterpillar to butterfly, unhappy with their love lives or their partners to ecstatic. I get to teach people how to get out of their own way and tap into love as a limitless resource. And most importantly, of all I get to do is be part of what supports healthy beginnings and sustainably healthy relationships. I get to be the cause of self-love, soul connections, and sweetness. I also get to work with amazing people who are up to very like-minded things who also want to bring love into the world, like my co-host, Mr. Frank Love. What's up, Frank Love? Hey, hey. How you doing? I'm doing great. I want. I'm going to tell the people who you are. Frank Love is a loving husband, father of five, speaker, podcaster, blogger, blogger, and coach. He's the author of Relationship Conversations You Don't Want to Have But Should Anyway and 25 Ways to Be Loving. Frank is a DC native with degrees from Howard and George Washington Universities. And through years of research, writing, and inquiry, he has discovered that romantic partnerships tend to be anything but loving often fraught with scorekeeping, martyrdom, blaming, and shaming. Frank believes that it's time we take an honest look at what it means to be loving and implement love skills. He also has a declaration, I want to be loved and accepted in my relationship no matter what I do, and you do too. It's a powerful wake-up call to himself and to all of us as we work to create the supportive, empathetic, and mutually fulfilling relationships that we so desperately want. And now Frank is here to introduce us to a loving conversation with the sincere hope that we will be more caring in the world and in our communities, beginning with our romantic relationships. Woohoo! I like it. I right? like it. Is that me? <laughs> That's you, honey. That's, That's me? Good oh, okay. All that, right. <laughs> right. That's good stuff. I can rock with that guy. I'm wondering if I should just, and the people, you know, maybe the people will tell us as well, if I should just can that whole intro and just make it so that it's, it's uh I say the same thing every week, but I always want to say it because I feel like what if we want to interrupt ourselves for some reason, but I always read our bio so people know who we are. I'm wondering if I should just record that and then have that just be the beginning of every week and we can then just jump into the conversation. What do you think? I'm
1: fine with you running it down because I get to hear your voice a little bit longer organically, like the live voice, not the recording. I get to hear that every week. That's special.
0: Oh, I love that, Frank. You like that? Yeah. (laughs) So now, (laughs) were you BSing me or was that real? Was that real? Okay. (laughs) So that makes me want to keep doing it, doing it, not pre recording it and doing it fresh all right yeah so I'll keep doing it fresh plus I for me I like doing it fresh because I I kind of start to feel a little more hype for the conversation do you feel a little more hype when we like have some intro of course yeah of
1: course and build it up
0: yeah So today, uh, you know, I loved everybody. We were uh, talking earlier. Me and Frank were talking earlier about the five love languages, so that's going to come up in the conversation today. But also, I really wanted to talk about, because you are, you know, my married man mind, and you get to come from that space of, you know, having been in a committed relationship for a while, this idea, I think, that we as single people have that our soulmate is someone to instantly be recognized. Like, can you just recognize your, you know, I I feel like romantic movies and the stuff that we watch on television kind of sets us up to think that love and falling in love is something that instantly happens when you look at someone. And I think even people who are smart and cognitive of the fact that it does take a time to build a relationship with someone, when we're single for a long time, there's something within us that says, if I don't feel instant chemistry or that instant love attraction, then it's a no. And I think that's problematic as a matchmaker and as a relationship coach. I think it's problematic that we're still out there looking for that sort of thing. What do you think I, about that?
1: I I think that you're going to pay. Yeah. We're going to pay. Now, you can pay up front. You can pay <laughs> later. You know, but, you know, you got to pay. Okay. And so what does paying up front mean? To me, paying up front means... That we are going to a lot a set amount of time, or a lot time for a set amount of experiences, where we get to know each other and we can say, "All right, you're you're the person whose doo doo I am comfortable putting up with for a significant <laughs> amount of time, uh-huh. and you're the person that I think I can work with." And we seem to see um, we seem to see zero at the same place. Mm-hmm. Now, that leads me. Have we ever talked about my zero thing? No. What do you, okay, mean, what do you right. mean
0: by that?
1: Zero. We see zero at the same place. I could, if, well, now we'll just talk about it in a money sense. Okay. I If I say, I believe I have no money when my bank account says zero. Uh-huh. Not when my bank account says zero and my retirement account says zero and my credit card say zero, but just strictly my bank account. When my bank account says zero, mm-hmm. that's when I believe I have no money. Mm-hmm. Now, you may believe that we have no money or that you have no money when we are, when you have no available credit, when you have no money left in your retirement, mm-hmm. And so those are different, those are different zeros. Yeah. And when we don't, well, if we don't agree on our zeros, that's something to pay attention to. That's mm. something to be aware of. Yeah. And, and, and so that's one of those experiences where the, hmm, how do, that I look, I, I want to have with you. Yeah. I want to know and experience where your zero is. And so when I say that, when I say you're going to pay now or you're going to pay later, now I could just say, I could walk up to you on the street and say, hey, let's go get married. And that can happen. And it could be a great relationship fraught with a lot of doo-doo, or it could be a great relationship fraught with
0: minimal
1: duty um it just it just you have to tell the
0: people because here's the thing you you can hear them huh huh you can hear them oh no, no no i was just saying for the people who are listening to the show i can hear who why you got people in the background I got people in the- Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, for the people who are listening to the show cuz you're using you keep using mm-hmm. that term doo-doo, and I feel like that's a that's a geographical vernacular. I feel like people from DC cuz of my family says that. I feel like people uh-huh. from DC say that, but I don't think everybody everywhere knows what you're talking about when you say that. Like you I know you're saying shit. But yeah. like you're talking about the the hard stuff in a relationship, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. I want to make sure direction. we clarify that for the people who are like, you know, across oh. in the West Coast and stuff like that. They're like, what is he talking about? The doo-doo. You know what I mean? I thought, I thought doo-doo was universal. But I, I understand. No, that's that. a very DC, that's a very colloquial way to refer to it. A lot of people, right. you know, right. they say shit or the, you know, whatever.
1: Or we could just say challenges, like you said. And that's, you, you nailed it. Yeah. Um, and so the, the pay now, pay later, you could, you could um, have you can connect with somebody, you just love at first sight, but you're gonna pay later. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna be discovering things about one another. And you gotta remember that you didn't allot time, you didn't set aside time to see how each of you react to given situations, or each of us each of each of you or us react to different different stimuli. You know, it just or you can wait yeah. and see. And then determine maybe this person is the right person, or maybe this person is the right person. Uh, it's there's there's a lot to navigate, and it just boils down to which game do you want to play. Yeah. You know, which that's it, that's it.
0: So, okay, just for my own clarification, so I understand what you're saying. So, you're saying that it it that the the zero is, you know, whatever it is that we think is sort of our threshold for, for what we will and will, will not live with. And so is it the discovering of that within each other? Like explain to me, like how, how it works as far as the couple is concerned.
1: Thank you for asking that. Mm. No, the, the zero and the, and the, the example that I gave is we may, we may just see things differently. Yeah. Uh, and the example that I gave about money, you may be all right with going into tens, twenty, a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt Yeah. and think that that's that's an everyday OK way to be. Yeah. I may think that that's completely unacceptable. When we're out of money, we don't borrow more money. Yeah. We just we're out of money and we got to make decisions based on being out of money. You may say. Hell no. We're going to make decisions out of these off these credit cards and these loans that we can get. That's two different. That's those are two different uh, zero points. Mm -hmm. That's two different places where we determine we're out of money or where we have to act as though we're out of money. Yeah. Very, very different. Uh, And so it's, it's kind of determining where we each stand. And given situations, that's just the financial place. It could be how we believe what our philosophy on cars is. I may say, I've got a car that I'm going to run into the ground. Something's wrong. I'm going to fix it. You may say, I've got a car. I want a car where I don't want any problems. And if I have any problems other than a flat tire or an oil change, I'm going to get another car or, or a new car. That's just, and I'm not saying they can, they are contradictory, but they are different yeah. and we get to talk about them and how we navigate them. And if we don't make time to do that, we end up caught. If we don't make time to do that and we don't have the, the uh disposition, then we end up kind of caught with our pants down with one another.
0: Yeah, but you're saying that that kind of thing can show up at different in any different stage in the relationship? Because going back to how that addresses whether or not I can recognize my soulmate, are you saying that that kind of, of incongruence or having to figure it out shows up at any different stage? Or how are you applying it to that?
1: I'm saying it shows up in any different relationship. Okay. And whether you can meet someone and call them the soulmate, they are your soulmate and then you still have to have these experiences with them mm-hmm. or you can meet someone and have these experience with experiences with them and then call them your soulmate and if they if that's applicable at that point in time and then move forward it just you you have to figure it out whichever way you're going to play it the the soulmate thing is kind of it's it's cute it's it's movies it's Disney yeah. that kind of thing if you want if you want a story you can go with soulmate um, I happen to think my wife I, I say that uh, I met I married my wife when I met her and you know I can say that I'm, uh-huh. we've been together for a long time and and I knew my and getting to know my wife very early in a very early stage in our relationship, I knew what her strengths were and I knew what her weaknesses were. And I knew the things that I was going to have to put up with (laughs) and that would challenge me. Mm -hmm. And I knew the things that I appreciated that helped to connect us, that, that meant something to me. I've said a lot. Yeah. You know, grab something and Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: No, I think it's good, though, because I kind of get what you're saying if I'm wrapping my mind around it. Um, Because I think basically, tell me if I'm wrong, what you're saying is that in the beginning of something, you can say, this is my soulmate. And then align yourself with, this is my soulmate. Or you can be with someone for a long time working through all those different things and then identify them that way by looking back on it. And yeah. saying this was my soulmate, or this has been my soulmate, and because yeah. of all the things that we've we've been through, saying that it's like it's a choice you can make. It's a choice that you can make. I, 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 and I go ahead. What are you gonna say? Well, when you say I,
1: you can find, you can say this person is my soulmate, and but it's it really, and then align yourself with that. Yeah. It's a choice. Yeah. It's a choice where you are going to. You, you gotta. Depending on how you want to play the relationship, yeah. the game of the relationship, um, are you going to stay together? Are you going to really, really be committed to working through your stuff? And I mean, real hard work yeah. through your stuff. Or I mean, or are you going to be loose where you say, hey, you know, you can be my soulmate today, and if when you start irritating me in two years. Eh, we'll move. We'll move along. You were my soulmate. Yeah. You know, there's just so many different ways to play to play the relationship game.
0: But see, I think what you're saying though does require, you know, being willing to say I'm going to take responsibility for, you know, who I'm going to be one way or the other. Like I'm going to say, you know, in my let's say I'm single person and I'm dating, I am going to to, you know, choose someone and this is where the this is where the sort of sort of connection i think needs to be made choose someone and then choose to say they're my soulmate and then act according to that but i think what happens with a lot of single people and i myself was doing the same thing for a long time It's like there's an expectation that something outside of me is going to indicate to me that this is my soulmate. So it's something that I'm going to recognize in another person based on who they are and how they are. I'm going to say, "Okay, you're it. You're the soulmate. And so I think what happens with single people a lot of times is that we'll date and date and date and date waiting for that person to come along who's who looks like soulmate, whatever soulmate. I'm doing the air quotes for those of you listening, whatever soulmate means to them and then they go a very long time or you know not at all you know with no uh uh connection at all because they're waiting for someone to show up as soulmate oh man i <laughs> so that's yeah. the that's the crux it's like how do you get past you know um that belief that you know someday my prince will come or you know, I'm waiting for that soulmate. It's going to be that perfect person and get out of your own way when you're a single person and you're dating and you just keep rejecting people or you keep saying no to people because you're waiting for them to be that perfect person.
1: Mm. <laughs> I think the, the key word here may very well be perfect. Yeah. Um, and uh, what you're asking and, and raising brings up several things. One is we re- revisiting the concept around what is your word, uh, mm-hmm. privilege.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I haven't had a problem, mind you. I was married at twenty-six mm-hmm. the first time, twenty-six, twenty-seven, one of them. And before that, I dated plenty. I didn't have a problem dating. Yeah. It was, I, I didn't feel as though I wasn't going to find or have someone who was marriage material that I could marry. That was not my reality. I, and neither was I looking for perfection. Yeah. I, I wasn't looking for perfection at that time honestly i was looking for someone who i could have a family with particularly have children with um, who i felt was worthy of who i was able to to do that yeah and and be comfortable for perfection was never my thing it was never my what i was looking for Mm. and 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 so It's possible I might not be the right person
0: to to ask. Or it's possible that you are the exact right person to ask, because I think what you're pointing at is exactly what I think is is sort of the gateway into allowing someone into your life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, that thing where it's like we think that someone is supposed to come along and be this thing. And, you know, whether we want to put the label of perfect on it or ideal or that they're just going to meet everything that we want them to meet or whatever it is. It's still this sort of like it's out there somewhere and this person has to show up in a certain way. So like what from what you're describing, it sounds like the way that you've approached dating in your life is you know, like we talked about a couple shows ago about, you know, that sense of, of privilege. Like it's, there's never not going to be somebody for me. Like I, I just date people like I don't even have to. Th- it's not, not something I have to think about consciously. But I think that that's something to be applied. Like I'm just exploring and I'm just allowing and I'm just in it and meeting people, knowing that I'm going to meet people. And if somebody really like like turns my head or catches my attention or, you know, you uh, know, uh, makes me feel like I really want to pay attention to them. Then I go with that, and we see where it leads. And you know, it's that allowance of it, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think that is that is sort of the thing that not sorta. It, I believe it is the thing. And I would I would hazard to guess that most people that I would talk to who've been married or in a committed relationship for a long time might give a similar description for how they they finally allowed themselves to do that. Because if, and tell me if I'm wrong, I feel like it does take a level of, of surrender and, and release of control, even to just agree to be with somebody in a committed, to say to someone, yeah, I'm here for the long haul, or you are, you are my person, or you're the one I want to be with, there, there has to be a level of whether you're conscious of it or not, of you saying, okay, like, I'm just going to ride with, with what's going to happen, because, because, Now that I'm putting another person in my life, I got to release a whole lot of control that I might have had on my own.
1: Sometimes that's the case. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Well, I think you're releasing a level of control no matter who you are, but the level that you're willing to release can vary. There, There may be people who say... I'm willing to marry you if you are willing to do everything I say, do.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, you're releasing a level of control because you're bringing someone else into your circle, but you're still... Controlling,
0: (laughs) trying to control that person. Yeah, when you... Exactly. You're trying to
1: control that person based on the the dynamics that you're establishing, that you want that person to work with them. That, uh, hey... uh, yeah, that could work. It could go left, um, and, and once you're in it, the the person who you, you you attempted to control by setting those parameters, really have few. They could they could say, "All right, I'm in. You know, I, I'm gonna do what I want now." Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. no way. You know, there is some. So there's still a level of control you're releasing, or relinquishing, just because that's an option also.
0: Yeah, and also control is a facade
1: control of the facade. It absolutely
0: is. Right? Especially yeah. when you bring someone else into your life. And and I actually think that that's exactly, you know, what goes on, and, you know, from my own experience and, and matchmaking clients. And it's this, this false sense that you have control when you're on your own. Yeah. And I'm going to continue to control it by requiring someone to come into my life. Mm-hmm. That's going to have what I say they need to have in order for them to be good enough for me to love them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, I don't know, I guess it's good because I kind of was hoping even in thinking about this topic that there would be that validation that you're talking about that it, I, I really do honestly believe this, that it does take um, that willingness to say, okay, I'm going to, I am going to release control. Even with a controlling person, you can end up in a relationship, but you're, you're, you're sabotaging your own sustainability that way and you're still fooling yourself into thinking and you just said it because you can end up in a relationship where someone's like yeah okay i'll do whatever you say until something changes and they have to do it a little different do you know what i mean (laughs) or something within them says why am i letting this person boss me around Mm -hmm. or you know something physically happens to them or happens to you and then all of a sudden the power dynamic shifts yeah you know, so so I think that what you're pointing at is exactly it. It's like and, and then the end, the question is, how do you um, uh, uh, share that with people so that there's an understanding? Because my whole thing is this, because, you know, my I feel like my whole purpose is is helping people have healthy and sustainable relationships. Right. And to be able mm-hmm. to ease into um, what it means to relate with others and to be able to surrender to it not meaning that you have to I think a lot of people think it means you have to compromise yourself or you have to put yourself in danger you have to let go of your boundaries and I don't think it's that but I think what I'm what I'm on the exploration around is how to infuse that magical secret sauce that people who do end up in sustainable relationships apply whether they know it or not does that make sense yeah Yeah, like how to how to translate that so that people who are searching right now and, you know, I deal with so especially specifically with matchmaking because, you know, people invest so much, not just their money, but their time and their heart and their, you know, and they are relinquishing control a little bit just because they're letting someone else help them. But even with that, very few of them really let you help them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they want to even control that, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, like there must be some secret magical sauce, some way to to inspire them to have that sense of like, if I just let go of needing to have this person be a certain thing and have it, having these expectations on this other person, if I allow myself to believe that my person is going to show up when I allow them to show up and when I stop needing for my expectations to be met, mm-hmm. then I'm more likely to have a, a healthy, sustainable relationship.
1: The the secret sauce could be mm. that God is going to take care of you.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, I mean, take you take... One step forward, God'll take two steps for you, mm-hmm. something to that effect. Uh, if you believe in God. You may not. You know, yeah. whoever, whatever. I'm not suggesting that you should, but yeah. nature, ancestors, whatever. Uh what else? What else might be the inspiring force to to help someone just take a step forward? Yeah. Uh it could be could be nature in a different way it could Mm -hmm. be god in a different way meaning if particularly now don't throw anything with me at me because this could be (laughs) more (laughs) targeted towards women because you all have a window you all have about a uh what is it
0: uh with the the fertility window yeah we'll
1: safely say i mean it's much bigger than this but we'll say your fertility window window is from 20 to 40 Hmm. I mean, of course, of course, a 15 year old can have a baby and a 45 goes, year old. Can yeah, have a baby.
0: totally. I would say yeah. it's I would say it's more like like. I would say it's more like 20 to 48. OK, right. <laughs> and okay, I'm 49. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. I mean, I probably still still could get pregnant at this point. But, you know, I'm not saying that people should wait that long, but I think the window is a little wider than people think it is.
1: OK. Yeah. All right. Um, so we, we could say it's a, uh, gracious. That's a 30 year window.
0: Yeah. Um, roughly. Yeah. And
1: well, that window can come and go. And at some point just experiment. I mean, it really is. Life is so much of an experiment yeah. that, and you can't, you can't experiment if you're not willing to experiment. <laughs> you <laughs> can't be a part of the experiment. In other words, you can't be a part of, and these are a bit absolute, I admit that, you can't be a part of life if you're not in in another, in a certain level, Mm -hmm. if you're not willing to experiment. And Mm -hmm. so experiment, get out there, experiment, make some mistakes, nail it, get it right, get it wrong, and just... Uh, Hey, uh, yeah. And that's what life is.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with that because I do think that, and it's funny because I was just talking to one of my male matchmaking clients and he was saying how, you know, he's uh, approaching and he has been approaching the process. Like, and I think men do this a little bit more, uh, freely than women tend to do it. He's like, just, I just, just match me. I'll go out with whoever. Whoever you send, because I know that that's part of the success of the process. Experimenting, Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, just trying it out, just doing it, just jumping in and like not rejecting people based on a picture in a white sheet or just the details on their, you know, white sheet, the profile or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I agree with that. And then what you said about God, like even for whether or not people believe in God, I do think there has to be a level of faith in what you cannot control. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just like being able to say whether it's humanity, the universe, you know, God, if you want to say God or, you know, th- all the things that you don't have control over, uh, you know, whether you want to call it grand design or even if you just think that life is is uh, complete um uh, not anarchy, what's the word I'm looking for? Something that has no rhyme or reason. Like, Chaos. All yeah, right. like if you think that life is just a you know chaotic happening of, of events, even if that's what you believe in, you still have to understand, I think, that if it is a chaotic uh, series of events and there is no grand design and there is no big picture, okay, there's still a whole lot you can't control. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like either way. And I think that you you've pointed to two... Two things, the idea of having faith in that which you cannot control. And then um, uh, what was the other thing that you in oh, the experimentation, the willingness to experiment. But mm-hmm. I think that what g- it goes deeper and what goes even further as we're talking, it's, you know, I'm more and more present to it. it. It's really it really has to do with and I always go back to it, that relationship with self. It always comes back to that relationship with self. Yeah. You know, because because if I don't have faith in myself, if I don't have um, or if I've been through, you know, some trauma, I've been through some things that have dictated to me that the world is unsafe. You know, if I have a lot of past information that's telling me that this is how people are or this is how life is, then I'm going to think that I'm going to need to control everything. And I'm going to think that I can control everything on some level. Mm -hmm and that's the only way to sort of navigate. And what I meet is a lot of people who, you know, they have been very successful in their careers because they excuse me, know how to control everything. And that's great for a career.
1: Yeah, that's it, <laughs> it, you see you said they know how to control everything, mm-hmm. but they really don't. Yeah, they think they how do. their career. Yeah. And they have steered away from controlling their relationships or personal life or having having even playing in that realm because it's scary to them. And that's not, that's not, that's certainly not controlling everything, but it is an attempt to control what we can control. Exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Hey, but there, there are many intelligences. There are many uh, proficiencies and some places we are, we don't feel proficient and we don't want to touch it.
0: Yeah.
1: And it doesn't get any better when we
0: don't touch it, right? Yeah. No, I agree. I I think, I think that willingness to be an exploration around like ourselves and and how we're showing up is really really important. And I say that as a single woman. I mean, you know, I don't consider myself a searcher. I mean, love has always found me, um, except for a period of time when I lost faith in the fact that it would. And when I lost faith in the fact that it would, then it felt you know i had to be it felt like I had to be a searcher when was that probably like my early forties, I had spent a lot of my adult life focusing on my career, and that was effective and a lot like a lot of my clients and it was effective. I had a great career, and I was a single woman making a great amount of money you know for a single woman and uh, you know living a life and then when that was taken away or over or when i did whatever i did to sabotage that and it no longer existed then it was like okay w- well what now cuz here i am for i think i was 41 40 41 and i was like well i chose not to take the family route i actually made a, a subconscious and somewhat conscious decision not to to you know get married and have kids in my 30s or you know in my 20s that was the trajectory i was on And then, you know, we ended up breaking up. And so in my 30s, I was like, all right, I'm just going to do what I didn't do in my 20s, you know, and then also focus on my career. So then by the time I got to early 40s, I was like, oh, well, you know, shoot, now I don't have the career in my mind. I'm telling myself that story. Because you know how sometimes when we lose something, we then tell ourselves, that's it. There's not going to be a chance for, for anything like that or anything else to happen. So my initial response was, I don't have a career anymore. And I'm starting from scratch, whatever I need to do, so I need to hurry up and build a family. And so all of a sudden, that that sort of effortless, I can attract who I want thing kind of switched over. Now I shouldn't say it's all of a sudden. That, it was gradual, probably in the last couple of years of my career as well. <clears throat> I started to switch over to this desperation. And that's the reason why when you were talking about the fertility thing, You know, I think we're so conditioned with the, you know, have your baby in the swim. Like, scientifically, yes. Biologically, a woman can only have a baby for a certain number of years, right? But there's a lot of of, uh, scientific advances. There's a lot of things you can do holistically. There's a lot of things that can stretch out that time. And also, biologically, having the baby isn't the only possible way you can do it. You know, there's a lot of options for how you can get around that. So I don't think that that's necessarily Uh, a healthy narrative for women to have because that's what was in my mind. Like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to have children soon. I got to hurry up and make this happen because I didn't make it happen before. I got to hurry up and get married. I got to find somebody right away and I got to force them into my picture.
1: I understand. And I would suggest that the, the people that are willing to the, I think the people I'm talking to, the women in particular that I'm talking to, are probably the women in their twenties. And I'm kind of I'm playing this out as I, I'm, I'm I'm thinking out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, women in their twenties. I wouldn't want a woman who is thirty-five, forty, forty-five to be having the conversation with themselves, rushing, uh, feeling as though they have to do this. Uh, or their biological clock is going to expire. I, I wouldn't want to see a woman put that type of pressure on herself.
0: And so I many would. do. So many do. I yeah. just had a client who just, she's leaving the program because she's in that mind state. It's like, it's almost like a it makes It's crazy making. Like it makes women get so desperate. And it's such the cultural thought and norm i mean even the men in the database they'll say well i want to have kids so if she's 38 39 she's probably not going to be able to soon so never mind like they'll not go out with them because they they're of that belief and then the women they are desperate it's like i gotta have somebody now because you know i'm gonna run out of eggs and it's it's a dangerous narrative but go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt you because it's it's very pervasive
1: well, well, let's talk about the danger of that narrative. What happens? And I, I'm not arguing it at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what, is, what are the dangers of that narrative for a woman in particular? And I'm, I'm the first to say that anything that a woman experiences, a man also experiences. I believe I believe that women are just another side of me. And that you are part of you—you you are our women, mm-hmm. and that we are your men, mm-hmm. and that things don't happen in a vacuum. Mm. But when I ask you, what are the the dangers for women? I'm not just asking you that as though the only. Uh, negative effect is going to be on women, yeah. the negative effect will transmit to men also. Yeah. I'm not sure where that is, and we could certainly you know, peel those layers back. Yeah. But I'm curious, uh, to start the conversation, where is that, where are those dangers for women? What did you notice? What did you experience yourself? Yeah. And, and how did it really, you, you said you were worried and you kind of, you were kind of uh, full of despair. Those are not your words, but that's mm. the sentiment I took away. Yeah. What, what, and then what? Yeah. What is What happened as a result
0: of that? Well, it's so multi-layered. The first layer of it, I think, is often just the, are you even worth it in life if you haven't had a baby and you're a woman? Like, what is your purpose if you're not somebody's mother? Like, I think that is a story that is pervasive in our culture as well. And I think that's a story that a lot of women, not all, because there's some that are very, like, I ain't never having a baby. I don't need to have no baby, especially, you know, right. right? In these days, you know, there's a lot of women that are like, you know, I have no interest in doing that to my body. But, you know, I grew up in a Christian home where we were very much groomed to be wives and mothers. Like that was going to be that was the intention. And so a lot of my life I spent, you know, in rebellion of that by focusing on my career and I think that what comes up for you when you start to think about that motherhood thing is like, okay, first of all, am I, am I worthy as a woman if I don't do this thing? Because that's, you know, my function. That's what my organs are for. And I haven't brought life into the world. So then there's that story and however you frame it. Because different women frame it in different ways. And then the next one is the, you know, the running out of time. So then that adds like a lot of anxiety and pressure. Time is when It's like watching the sands of an hourglass, right? Like it's the time is just wasting away. And when you're in that sense of lack as far as time as far as anything, that's when we get desperate as human beings. And so I think for a woman and for myself being in that position of like, okay, I haven't made this happen, I'm of a certain age, I have to make it happen, and time is running out, you're willing to compromise on a lot of things that you wouldn't compromise otherwise. Meaning that you're willing to um, accept into your life things that are completely unworkable things that that just don't align with who you are in the hopes that that person is going to be able to help you with what you're attached to. Now, with that said, I do think that there's something to be said for when you meet someone and you have an affinity with that person or you get along with that person, it is very important to be open to the exploration of how the relationship can go. Because I think we worry too much about red flags and boundaries and what's wrong with that person and all of that stuff. But it's a very fine line that we walk because I do believe that there is a balance between recognizing that you can move forward with someone and, and then recognizing where you're at, whether or not you can move forward with someone. Because sometimes you're in a place where moving forward with that person is not a good idea because you're, you're not going to be able to get to a place, you know, where you can be accepting of whatever it is about them. And I honestly don't think that I would have ended up in an abusive, a physically abusive relationship if I wasn't of the mindset that I desperately needed to, to make a family happen. Because I wouldn't have allowed certain things right off the bat. It would have, it would have been like, oh no, that doesn't feel good. I'm not doing that. But I, I deny and I think a lot of women do, I just denied that part. And that part of me that was saying, this doesn't feel right. Like, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> you don't want to keep doing this. Like, this is not in alignment with your happiness or your joy. You don't want to do it. Like, that part of me that was saying that, I would stuff it back down. It's like, no, but I want to have a baby. And he's good for that. Or no, I want to, you know, I want to force a relationship to happen so that I've, I've created something. So I'm not, like, useless, and he's, he'll be good for that.
1: Okay. What is, what's the advice you are about to give to a 25-year-old female mm-hmm. who is talking about her career right now? And that's all she wants to focus on. And she'll wait till later to look at having a family. This is your moment. What's
0: your advice? Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because I was just talking to, I, I call her my daughter, uh, my friend, Zaria, who is 23 years old. And we were just talking the other day. I'm sort of like a, a friend, mentor, you know, surrogate mother for her. And... Um, you know, and she was, uh, and she's a go-getter. Like she's a moneymaker. She's a hustler. She, in, in a legal way, obviously, but she knows how to have her life together and have what she wants to have. Like if she says, I want a car, she's figures it out. She does everything above board, you know, all of that stuff, very focused on her own, her own sort of advancement career wise. And, you know, I think that it, it's important to know yourself and to be making your decisions based on a deep level of knowing yourself. And so for me at that age, my choice to focus on my career, my choice to um, to go the route that I went was more about rebelling against stuff that I hadn't healed. Like I said, you know, I was groomed to be a wife and a mother. So a lot of that was rebellion stuff you know, I was even rebelling against the, the religion. Like, you know, I didn't want to be a Baptist because I didn't want to do any of that traditional stuff. But that's not the reason to be making that choice. I, what I would say for, you know, younger women is that, you know, it, what's really important is to get past the past, heal the past, forgive the past, Whatever stuff you still have around your parents and what you think about them, whatever decisions you are making for yourself that are based on what they'll think about you or siblings or you know whatever, get real clear on that stuff so that you can heal it and clean the slate and start from nothing. Because it's okay to not wanna be a mother, it's okay to wanna focus on your career, but it's not okay if you're not doing it solely for yourself. If you're not solely doing it with an intention of, of living out what you feel is purposeful for you. And it's also okay to say, I don't wanna have a career. I just wanna be a mother. I wanna you know, be somebody's wife. Perfectly fine, as long as it's something you're choosing to do because that's what you know is right for you, not based on what you've been told is right for you or wrong for you. That's what I would say to any any 25-year-old. And that's what I tell Zaria when I talk to her, too. Just You always have to be so true to yourself, but you can't be true to yourself until you know yourself. And, and, you know, yeah. and I think when we're in our 20s, we think we know ourselves because we feel so grown, right? <laughs> but we're still so fresh from our childhood, it's almost impossible not to still be influenced by our conditioning and what we were told about ourselves. Yeah. You know, and and even though I'm not a parent, I would even take it back as as, you know, so far as to say as a parent or, you know, when I've had relationships where it's a a parent child energy, you know, I, I always just try to have real cognition about what I cast onto them, what I say to them about who they are, because, you know, the journey, I think, of our lives is coming to know ourselves. And I think sometimes parents can. Uh, deter the, the success of that journey by, by making identifications of their children. Like, this is who you are. This is what you're, my mom used to always do this thing where you're good at this and you're not good at that. You're good at this thing. This one's my one who knows math. This is my creative one this is my one who, you know, is going to take care of me when I'm older. So it's like casting all these identifications on your children and everybody's a possibility of anything, right? Like we're all a field of possibility, but oftentimes I think, you know, and I say all that to say also that even with my matchmaking clients, I recognize it. Like I have clients that I can tell, you know, especially the younger ones. I have a young one now. She's, she's like 30 and she's still so under the the influence of who her parents have told her she needs to be. And she told me the other day, she's like, I love to travel. I love being on my own. She's traveled basically the world. She's a nurse. She's basically traveled the world. She, you know, uh, loves the stuff that she does on her own. She's very self-sufficient. And she's somewhat resistant to this whole dating thing, you know. And, you know, I think it's something that her mother pressures her a lot about, that it's something she has to do because that's what they do in their family. And she's not ready for it. That's not her, at least not now, you know, I, I think, yeah, I say all of that to say, it's really important to know yourself.
1: Can you have a focus on a career? Can you really be focused on a career and have good relationships? Um, and the, maybe the, maybe the question I wanna ask is, can you want to avoid children uh, having children and feel comfortable with the level and quality of the relationship that
0: you have. You mean? I don't if, know the answer. Do you, you mean if test. both of you don't want to have children?
1: No, I mean just one person. If you, if you yourself, does does a desire to her, does a desire to focus on a career have anything to do with the quality of the relationship that you have. And I'm not just talking about romantic Yeah. I'm talking about any relationship.
0: Are they related? I don't know. I mean, I I think they might be related in the sense that I think a lot of times people who want to strive for success, that that really is about an inner need for love, an inner want for love. Because I think ultimately as humans, what we all want is love. Like everything else is just like our ways to get to it, right? (laughs) Right. We want right. to be loved and admired and respected and all of that stuff. I mean, I think they are related in that sense. And I think, you know, for women of color in particular, this is a time of achievement for us. Like, it, you know, culturally in pop culture and in, in, in our sort of communities right now, it's, it's a big thing. It's almost like a trend to be a woman of color with more than one degree and, you know, pursuing some sort of, of profession that is not necessarily stereotypically been, been applied to us, right? So breaking all the barriers and, you know, it's sort of like the, the uh, next wave of the women's movement. And I think the detriment to that is, is, you know, while I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to pursue a career, I think where it becomes problematic is feeling that you have to do it in order to be good enough. Whether it's to be good enough for a relationship or to be good enough for your family or good enough in the eyes of society, whatever it is, I feel like, <clears throat> you know, because of, and we always get back to the racism thing somehow, but because of the years of oppression that, that, and not, you know, not just because of the years of oppression, because I think that, that white women undergo the same thing as well, but this thing that you have to achieve in order to be good enough, I think does, does apply with relationships and can be problematic. And I don't think it's, it's a bad thing to want to have a career, but you know, going back to knowing yourself, I really think you have to be aware of, do I want this career because I think it's going to bring me love and admiration, or I'm going to get my father's approval, or my mom is finally going to love me, or, you know what I mean? It's very yeah. important to be able to ask ourselves those questions because you can chase something and then come to find out that no matter how high of the heights you reached, that it wasn't it. That's what happened to me. You know, I ended up as an art director of a daytime television, national daytime television show. I mean, you know, as a black female art director, that's that's pretty much where you want to get to, right? Except for, you know, unless you're going to go into the whole corporate thing of entertainment and own your own network like Oprah. Like, you you want to get to national television. So... I got there and then got fired from there. But even before I got fired from there, I realized that this isn't it. (laughs) It's been great. It's been fun, you know, and and I I wouldn't trade it. But I I got there and realized that there was more to it because I didn't do it from a place of really knowing myself. I just kind of went along with, okay, this is what I've always been good at. This is what I know I don't want to do. Let me just follow it.
1: I find that that uh, this is what I know I don't want to do. I wonder if that was poverty. You know, is is it is what I don't want? Poverty and what I find uh, uh, around a lot of people go into a career trajectory based on their first job after college. Yeah, and it's not even so much really what they want to do. I mean, I mean, some people do for yeah. sure, but often we just build on that first job. Yeah. If, you're, if you're a physician, that's a little different. If you're a newscaster and you, if you go for, for the television journalism and you end up a newscaster, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. But if you're in business and your first job is in, um, in insurance, and then your next job after that is an insurance because you're building on what you learned in the previous job. That's a different, um, that's how that's how many of us land in a, a given career trajectory. And it just it could very be very unsatisfying.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that's a thing. I mean, I definitely think that a lot of people will pursue a career trajectory because they just don't want to be poor. And and they'll even pick a specific industry because their likelihood of making more money is higher. I mean, for me, I went into the entertainment industry, so I've never been afraid of being poor. And it was and that that wasn't the driver because most people who go in entertainment don't end up rich like it's a very small percentage people th- look at entertainment and they think oh you're going to be wealthy because you work in entertainment but not unless you really get to some level of success are you actually going to be wealthy so you know that's not and really you know my whole thing was always in the arts so as long as I was in the arts I was I was happy with that so that's not the industry that that you pick If you're trying to avoid poverty, because there definitely were, you know, ups and downs as far as that's concerned. But you're right, though. It is a thing. And it still comes back to knowing yourself. Like if I know myself and I'm honoring that knowing of myself, I'm not going to just put myself through a career just so I can make sure that I can follow a financial trajectory that will have me not poor. I'm actually going to know how to live purposefully. Right? i'm going to trust that everything that i need is going to be provided to me because i'm i'm so living in my purpose and even though it sounds so pollyanna that's why they say that thing do what you love and the money will follow because that's what that's about like i know myself i know i love to do this i'm passionate about it i would do it for a poke in the eye you know i can do it in my sleep like it's that kind of stuff that that we often don't allow ourselves to pursue because we are afraid of poverty or we're we're not letting ourselves know ourselves. We're just going by what we were told. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was asked once by a sister um, what it is I would like to see. Maybe it was what I want women to know or maybe it was what I would like to share with women. And the answer to either is I really would love for women to create an identity for themselves that has nothing to do or minimal to do with men. Mm. Um, what, I, what I see women striving for in the career path is often it's often following the the, the often sick or negative or uh, trajectory that men are creating for themselves to outdo one another, mm. to, to, yeah, to be better than one another. Yeah. And I would love to see women, like, see that as its own problem. Yeah. I mean, and it has its, that that career stuff, that desire to outdo other people to be better than other people, it is a it has its own elements of sickness to it. Yeah, and many women just want to get into that sickness instead of realizing that's a sickness, and I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. Like I'm fine without playing that game with men. Yeah, uh, and I would yeah, I, I, so just what how do women self define? How do they see themselves? Without without being influenced by men. And it's not possible not to be influenced by men. We're yeah. all in this together. But how do you not want to take on masculine traits yeah. as you work to self-define? Like, how do you embrace femininity? How do you define femininity?
0: Yeah.
1: That's such I- a big...
0: I think that's a great question. And, you know, uh, and I think that that is part of, you know, what is the struggle? Because it does take a high level of, of espousing masculine energy. We we all both have it, right? So men, women, however you identify yourselves gender, gender wise, it's like we all have masculine and feminine energy and the ability to apply masculine and feminine energy to any uh, particular situation. But I, what I think it is, is, is you're right in the sense that I feel like as women, we are more powerful through our feminine energy. And in that competition, uh, you know, uh, striving to make the career or whatever it is that we're trying to force to happen, as far as our careers are concerned and our achievement, I think that it does require taking on a high level of masculine energy. And it does require applying a high level of masculine energy. Yeah. So, you know, I think you're right. I think that that's, that's, that is part of the healing, like in knowing yourself, allowing yourself to be in your feminine energy. Yeah. Yeah. uh, yeah. And... I think that when you let yourself heal, that does ha- that happens naturally.
1: You said a mouthful.
0: I, mean, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, I know. It totally like it inspired all of my. I mean, we're at an hour now. We got to talk. We got a panel coming up. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What do we want to say is our takeaway for today? We tell the people. So That's my no, only you. question for you. What would you want people to take away from today, as far as like.
1: Uh we said so much um, <laughs> I would love we we're in this together yeah. we're in this together whatever the problem is related to a given sex or more that appears more related to a given sex it's not it's just it may just appear in that sex early but mm. it's going to appear in your sex later mm. um, and so we're we're all we're all one we're all in it together and let's take care of one another
0: yeah yeah I like it yeah, and my whole thing for for this week is just know yourself. I mean, I think it's important for both women and men, but you know, especially when you're young. It, but it's never too late. It's never too late to know yourself and to and to start to question like am I am I living my life, navigating my life based on what other people have told me? And back to the original topic of my expectation of a soulmate is that is that really me, or is that me feeling like someone else is going to come along and supply something to me? Which means that I'm not really coming from a place of knowing myself. I'm thinking that I can, you know, control the external and force, and force something to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's it, Frank. Love. All right. It's been a it's been a good solid hour. So we have our event coming up on the twenty third. We're gonna have concrete information for that coming up soon, and we're gonna be sharing that on social media. Um, also I have my fat shrinking, emotional fitness digital course is coming soon. I think it's going to be by mid March. I'm going to release that. And then soon after that, after mother's day, my mother, myself, which is my course about mother daughter relationships. And then soon after that love life reset. So how to heal yourself after a painful relationship or abusive relationship, hit the reset button, start from a clean slate, develop your emotional virginity. Be fresh. (laughs) Start your love life all over again. Yeah, yeah. So if you're out there and you're interested in any of those courses or if you're interested in the panel that Frank and I are going to be on on the 23rd about love and relationships, email me, Candice, at CandiceHarperLoveCoach.com, and I'll make sure that you get all the information that you need. You can follow me on Instagram at Ask for Candy Podcast and at Candy Love Coach. Pretty soon, we're going to have Frank Love being able to be followed on Instagram as well. We're going to work that out. I'm working. Uh, I'm, I'm on Instagram. You are yes, on? Mr. Frank Love. Mr. Yes. Frank Love. See? Yes. At, is it at Mr. Frank Love?
1: I, yes. I see you're asking me stuff. I, don't <laughs> mister, well, you- I think it's spelled out Mr. I don't remember. Okay. I think it's spelled out, Mr. Well, we're uh-huh.
0: going gonna to confirm that for next week. But in the meantime, if you're out there listening and you're an Instagrammer and you want to find Frank, look for Mr. Frank Love. And I think it's probably at Mr. Either spelled out Mr. M-R, but the at symbol, Mr. Frank Love. And, um, you know, find him on Instagram. We're going to start start posting about our upcoming events and happenings. And you can email both of us at askforcandypodcast at gmail.com. Any questions or comments or su- topic su- suggestions will go to both of us because I always share them with Frank. And, and that's it. Is there anything else right. you have, Frank? See you next week. All right, my love. Until next time, never forget you are a love machine. If you ever start to feel like you aren't getting the love you need. Just make more and then ask for candy bye now. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Love you.
1: Candy I call my sugar.